following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Oh, sinners, you better get ready. Oh, you better get ready. Hallelujah, sinners, you better get ready. Times are coming when a sinner must die. Just how the people live, they're just going to die. Time, time's coming when the sinner must die. Just how the sinner lives, they're just going to die. The time, time's coming when the sinner must die. Oh, sinners, you better get ready. Oh, you better get ready, hallelujah, sinners, you better get ready. Times are coming when a sinner must die. God gave no other rainbow sign. Time, time's coming when the sinner must die. It won't be the water, be the fire next time. The time, time's coming when the sinner must die. Oh, sinners, you better get ready. Oh, you better get ready. Hallelujah, sinners, you better get ready. Times are coming when the sinner must die. sinner must die. Oh, sinners, you better get ready. Oh, you better get ready. Hallelujah, sinners, you better get ready. Times are coming when the sinner must die. I thought I heard all the people Time, time's coming when the sinner must die. You better get down on your knees and pray. Time, time's coming when the sinner must die. Oh, sinners, you better get ready. Oh, you better get ready. Hallelujah, sinners, you better get ready. Time, time's a coming when the sinner must die. time is coming when the sinner must die facing the judgment bar of God I've been very uncomfortable most of my life struggling with what the judgment will mean and how to prepare for that judgment and many people have tried to quiet me and say there there pastor you're a good man just trust Jesus Well, that's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God says the whole duty of man is to obey the Lord, to walk in righteousness, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to join together with God in the work of the gospel. A young man who made a decision to follow Jesus began to identify the sin that was holding him captive cursing pornography smoking cigarettes puffing on pot and his confession was I don't want to do these things anymore I don't like the way I'm living there has to be a change and so he confessed these things And there was very quickly a total change in his life. But now I find him pulling back. Pulling back. Another man confessing, yes, I'm unhappy with my life. I'm smoking pot. I'm drinking. I'm fornicating making a public commitment, I will leave this sin, I will no longer walk in it. And now he's pulling back. 
He's going back to his old sin. It's obvious the conversion was a shallow conversion. We have to get very serious about this issue of conversion. One young man said to me, Pastor, I'm in the process of of being converted. He was saying this to me as an excuse to be free to continue wallowing in his sin. Conversion is a decision we make, a transformation then that God makes in us. Conversion is a is a decision. Conversion is a a decision that we make to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. It is a it is a decision that we must make regarding where we will spend our eternity. And so I find, very frankly, the sin of most today may center around cursing, pornography, smoking pot, smoking cigarettes, alcohol. Did you know that America annually spends more than $10 billion a year on pornography? And think of all the free pornography. It's astounding. What does pornography do? Well, we know from the research in Japan, which is probably the number one nation in the world for pornography, we find that young men and young women who are into the cartoon pornography and all the other kinds of pornography, including very hardcore and bestiality, is that they are unable to form lasting relationships because they have become hardened and cynical in their spirit. Porn causes us to look at a man or a woman in a way that creates an object instead of a person made in the image of Christ. Pornography destroys marriages. I have talked with both men and women who've had their marriages destroyed by pornography. 81 billion dollars a year spent on cigarettes in America. 101 billion dollars on beer in America, on alcohol. It's said that 1 in 10 Americans has an a has a problem with alcohol. And many of you who call yourselves Christian women, particularly the women I know about, you will stay up very late into the night hours, not going to bed with your husband, but sitting in front of the computer and Facebook, drinking your glass of wine, and then the second glass of wine, and then the third glass of wine, and then the fourth glass of wine. You're a wino, and yet you call yourself a Christian. You would speak boldly against abortion, but you're hooked on wine. And instead of going to bed with your husband, you sit in front of the computer into the late, late hours of the night, drinking your wine, and you call yourself a Christian. That's not how Christians behave. That's not Christian. That's pagan. That's wicked. It's the worship of the flesh, of the world, of the devil. Many of you, even Christian men, think nothing of sitting down with other Christian men and kicking back and having your beer. Well, what's what's wrong with a beer, Pastor? Well... The state seems to think there's a problem with the beer when you're above point six and going into point eight and your driving ability has been decreased 
because you've had too much beer to drink. But Jesus thinks one beer is wrong simply because it begins to alter your mind. It affects your judgment of right and wrong. And you begin to say things and you begin to live in a way that is not righteous before God. I look at this issue of abortion. 53 million legal abortions between 1973 and 2011. More than 50 million babies murdered in America. Their blood cries out against the church. Yes, the church, because if the church took a stand and began to minister and reach out as they need to do, the abortion industry would stop. I praise God for those few warriors that are out there constantly loving, speaking, turning those expectant mothers away from killing and murdering their babies. I praise God for the March on Washington every year and the others who stand boldly in literature against this abortion. It is a wicked, wicked, horrendous evil before Almighty God. Most abortions are performed, 54%, with women who call themselves Christians. You cannot have an abortion and call yourself a Christian. Now, a woman who has had an abortion can repent if it's true repentance. But you cannot walk in the abortion world and call yourself a Christian. Oh, pastor, a woman has a choice. Yes, she does. She has a choice on whether she goes to bed with this man in an illegal way before the holy God of heaven. Her choice is to go to bed or not go to bed with that man, not whether to murder her baby, because the baby doesn't belong to her. The placenta is not even of the DNA of the woman. It is separate. 92% of all abortions are elective. Not due to incest, rape, medical problems, or psychological concerns. It is simply for leisure. It is for lifestyle. So over half of the women in America who have abortions would say they are Christians. What an utter shame to the name of Jesus Christ. If you have had an abortion, or if you have supported a woman who chooses to have an abortion, you have sinned against the Almighty God, and He is angry. And you must repent or face the judgment bar of God. If you look at the alcohol problem in America. There was a great temperance movement as the, as particularly the women, the Christian women of the church saw the horrendous price that homes were paying, that families were paying for their husbands' alcoholism. I mean, 80,000 Americans die every year from alcoholism. There are more than 1 million ER visits a year. There, There are more than 3 million doctor visits a year just for the side effects of the alcohol consumption. The temperance movement and the abolition of slavery were intertwined in the churches that came out of the church. Prohibition from 1920 to 1933 that dried up the alcohol. Oh, you say, but oh, there was an underground alcohol. Yeah, the Kennedy family made their money on the alcohol bootlegging. 
but the alcohol problem is much, much greater today. 43% of American adults have grown up or were married to or had a blood relative who was an alcoholic. 6.6 million children today live in households with an alcoholic parent. Half of all traffic deaths are related to alcohol. One-third of all traffic injuries are related to alcohol. Now, do you begin to see what we're faced with? Do you curse? Then you are standing before a holy God subject to the judgment. Are you a consumer of pornography? Then God's judgment is upon you. And you wake up with a filthy conscience. Pornography is depressing. It destroys a man's mind. If I opened the phone lines and said, Would you please call and and tell me the effect pornography has had on someone in your family? Many of you could no doubt relate horrific experiences. Smoking, cigarettes, filthy, filthy habits, stinking habits, polluting the holy temple of God, our bodies, destroying our health. I see young women, beautiful young women, smoking their cigarette. Don't they know that that's the number one thing they can do to destroy their face? to harden it. Pot. Are you on pot? Are you smoking joints? Are you using drugs? Not just pot, but cocaine. Heroin. Are you a heroin user? Are you a bodybuilder using steroids? Injecting them into your muscles? Moving on to heroin? Have you done that? Are you destroying your body and your mind with drugs because you can't face the reality of your wicked life? alcohol is it where you go to get relief can I add another very common sin to this list gluttony do you go to the refrigerator to get your satisfaction even though you're obscenely obese are you a sinner Are you under condemnation before God? The time is coming when the sinner must die. And what are you going to do in that great day of judgment? I'd like to see a sinner saved today. I'd like someone to call and say, I'm done with my pot. I'm done with my alcohol. You're right, Pastor. It's destroying my life. I need to be set free, Pastor. Will you pray for me? Do you recognize the sin of your life? The self-indulgence? Is there any spark in your heart that cries out to be made clean, to be washed by the blood of Jesus, to be set free? This is the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not some feel-good deal. It's not some sentimental deal. The gospel of Jesus is hardcore. 
It comes and transforms a man or woman into a new creature. It gives you a new start. It rescues you from the darkness. Do you need to be rescued today? As I look at the scriptures, Matthew, 10th chapter, verse 34, Do not think that I came to bring peace upon the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to divide a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a bride against her mother-in-law, and the enemies of the man are of his own household. The one loving father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and the one loving son or daughter must more than me is not worthy of me, and the one who does not take his cross and keep on following after me is not worthy of me. The one having found his life will lose it, and the one having lost his life for my sake will find it. Do you want to find your life? Then you're going to have to leave your sin. Jesus did not come to bring some peaceful, sentimental comfort to the sinner's heart. He came to call you to take up your cross and follow Jesus and become a new creature. I'm so tired of conversions that are only pretend conversions. I want to talk to somebody who is serious about Jesus who wants to be set free, who's willing to pay any price necessary to find freedom from the drugs, to find freedom from the pornography, to find freedom in Jesus, and willing to go anywhere and do anything to find that freedom. Are you that person today? If you're under conviction today, if if the words I'm speaking are piercing your heart, then confess to Jesus out loud. Begin to cry out to him and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me. Begin to confess your use of of pot, of alcohol, of pornography. They're all filthy. Of cigarettes. They're escapes. They're a refusal to submit to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You've justified these things in your mind. But there is no justice in them. They are destroying your life and the families of America. I'm going to give you our phone number. If you want me to pray with you today, please call. Be bold. The kingdom of God is taken by people who are passionate, who are burning with zeal, who say, I've had it with my dark life. I need a new life. Call 877-534-0780. I'll give you that number again. Jot it down. If you want to find Jesus today, I'm here for you, and I will talk with you, and I will pray with you. If you know it's time for you to get right with Jesus and leave this darkness, then right now, let's, let's take the action. 877 877 5340780 Do you need to get clean today with Jesus? Do you know you are abusing alcohol, you are abusing drugs, you are abusing and consuming the things of the devil, the pornography, the things of the world, the leisure of the world, and you know you need to get clean today and you have drawn back Perhaps you even came to the prayer chapel and then in your pride you blew it off. You need to get clean today. You know you're not right with Jesus. You know your heart is not at peace. Call right now. I'm here for you. And the producer will put you through quickly. 
877-534-0780. Now, it's clear. How do I put this? I want to change focus for a moment. I'm going to say some things to you who call yourselves Christians that will likely make you extremely uncomfortable. I don't apologize. I only want you to know that what I'm saying to you, I'm saying with love and kindness and mercy. I'm not condemning you. But I know if you want a serious change in America, there's going to have to be a serious change in you. You're not going to be able to continue the way you are. Now let me share specifically from Scripture what I'm talking about. In Matthew, the 11th chapter, I'll begin with verse 28. You must come to me, all the ones being weary and having been burdened, and I will give you rest. Many of you today who call yourselves Christians are burdened by finances. You're burdened by sickness. You're burdened by your work. You're burdened by family relationships. You're carrying a heavy burden. You have a loved one who is dying. You have a marriage that's crumbling. Or perhaps you're caught in the pornography. More than 50% of Christian evangelical men report that they are consumers of pornography, according to Focus on the Family. Perhaps you're caught in some sin, and you weep before God and you repent, and then you go right back to it. There seems to be no power. Jesus is saying, you must come to me. Jesus is the only one who can set you free. Religion can't set you free. A profession of faith cannot set you free. Trying to obey the rules cannot set you free. Only Jesus Christ can set you free. He says, you must come to me. All the ones being weary and having been burdened, and I will give you rest. And the word there is a place to lie down. It is repose. It is a place of rest. But then he says, and we have separated these two things. He says, you must take my yoke upon you, and you must learn from me. Well, what do you mean, I'm supposed to find rest with a yoke? I'm supposed to find repose and rest while I take your yoke, Jesus? Yes. Exactly. The rest you're speaking of is his bedroom. It is not a place isolated and separate where you can have your own comfortable little place. He is saying, come to me. He's saying, I will give you rest. Come to me. When you come to Jesus, you confess. You repent. You're earnest. You're filled with zeal. It's not an add-on. It's the real deal. Mr. Producer, do we have any calls? No, no calls. Are there no sinners who want to get saved today? Are there no sinners who are convicted by God? No sinners who are tired of their worldly life? 
Is that really where we're at? I know Christians who feel their bondage and want to be set free. Is that really where we're at? All right, let's talk about this. He's saying, come to me. He's not saying, come to a set of doctrines. He's not saying, come to a social organization. He's saying, come to me. And then he's saying, take my yoke upon you, for you must learn from me. I am considerate and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. What does this mean? Well, a yoke is what is used on an ox as he pulls the plow. Well, what is the purpose of Jesus? What is the plow Jesus pulls? The only plow Jesus is pulling is the work of redemption. The only interest of Jesus right now is the saving of lost people. The only interest of Jesus is teaching you how to become a fisher of men. How to join together with Jesus in the work of salvation for the lost and the dying. The interest and the concern of the heart of Jesus is to separate you totally and completely out of the world, to make you a fisher of men, to make you holy and righteous in his sight, that your actions will no longer be that of the world, the flesh, or the devil, that you would no longer walk in sin. This antinomian attitude has destroyed the church in America and brought us to such a place of utter wickedness. That is, the belief that you can be saved in the midst of your sin. No, you are saved out of your sin. You are saved into Jesus, into righteousness and holiness. It is a supernatural work of God. He's willing to do it if you will simply confess your sin and repent honestly of it and turn aside from it. He will save your soul. But you love your prescription drugs. You love your alcohol. You love your pornography. You like cursing. You like your beer. You like your worldly entertainment. You like the things of the flesh. Jesus is saying, when you're finally tired and weary and have been beat up long enough, when are you finally going to say, enough, and come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I have to be revived. I have to be transformed. I have to be changed. Revival always means the conviction of sin on the part of the church. Backslidden professors of Christianity must begin to engage in deep heart searching. The fountains of sin need to be broken up in your life. True revival means that Christians are brought under conviction of sin. You begin to see your sin in the light of Jesus Christ. If you are engaged in any of the things I've spoken of today, including pride, anger, bitterness, malice, judgmental attitude, you need to be brought to repentance. A revival is nothing else but a new beginning of obedience to God. 
Just as is the case of a converted sinner, the first step is a deep repentance and a breaking down of the heart, a getting down into the dust before God, a deep humility and forsaking of sin. It's the same for those who call themselves Christians. While you are in this state of backsliding, you cannot be yoked together with Jesus Christ. Because when you are yoked together with Jesus Christ, your primary concern will be the salvation of the lost and the dying. I meet countless men who make excuses, who have never brought one person to Jesus Christ, who have no one they can point to that they have discipled and brought to Jesus and trained as a fisher of men. Many of you listening to this broadcast have never been involved in winning a person to Jesus Christ. You have never confronted a man with his sin or a woman with their sin and seen them break down and weep before God and be converted and changed and transformed. You've never seen that happen. That tells me you are not in yoke with Jesus Christ. Don't fool yourself. If you are not saving lost souls by the blood of Jesus Christ, you are not yoked with Jesus Christ because the yoke of Jesus Christ plows deeply the field of sinners' hearts to bring them to conviction of sin and to turn them toward heaven. I don't see how you can be saved if you are not winning souls for Jesus Christ. There is only one call in the Scripture, and that is to become a fisher of men. There is only one commission in the Scriptures, and that is to go and make disciples of all men. We have this tame, pedicure religion today, where we don't want to get dirty. We don't want to get in with the sinner and confront them with their sin. We want to psychologically counsel them and be loving toward them and pretend that somehow they're okay while they're hellbound. And because of that attitude in our hearts as Christians, most Christians in America are hellbound. There must be a dramatic transforming change in your life if you call yourself a Christian, mister, but you are not winning anyone to Jesus. Don't tell me it's not your personality. Don't tell me you're an introvert and it's too painful for you to talk. No, it's not. You have relationships with people who love you and who trust you. You have family members that love you and trust you, but you've never been willing to sacrifice that relationship for the cross of Jesus Christ. And because you have denied Christ before men, he will deny you before the angels of heaven. That's what the scriptures say. If you deny Christ by keeping your mouth shut, by not addressing the issues, then you are not yoked with Jesus Christ. He says, the one who does not take his cross and keep on following me after, he's not worthy of me. The one who having found his life, will lose it. And the one having lost his life for my sake will find it. He's saying, look, if you don't join together with me in this wondrous work of revival, you cannot be saved. Because you are not yoked with Jesus Christ. You are not in league with Jesus. Now please, I know this is uncomfortable. But we've come to a place where I must speak very plainly with love and compassion to you. But you cannot walk in your comfortable, psychologized religion and pretend that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. It doesn't work. You may have gentled down your attitude. You may have become very tolerant of everybody. 
you may be a very fine American, but you are not a Christian. We used to sing the song, Onward Christian Soldiers. We don't sing that song in the churches very much today, do we? It's too militant. Well, no, it's not. It's what the Christian walk is. The Christian walk is a militant walk. And some of you can't even get along with your husbands because you can't make them do what you want them to do and they're always doing stuff that makes you mad. You're not yoked together with Jesus. You call yourself a Christian, but you're not yoked with Jesus. Jesus calls you to take up your cross, to be responsible for your cross, to take responsibility for your life and your witness and your service to Jesus. He calls you to lose your life in service to your husband, in service to your wife. That's the call of Christ. If you've responded to another call, you responded to a call that is not from the heart of Jesus Christ. If you're convicted today and you need to to pray, we still have time. I'll pray with you if you call 877-534-0780. Are you are you yoked with Jesus today? Have you found rest for your soul? Or are you unworthy of Jesus? Because you've refused to take up your cross. You've refused to take up the yoke of Jesus Christ. He says, you must learn from me. Well, what are we to learn? We're to learn how to be fishers of men. What are we to learn? We're to learn how to die, how to give up our life, how to be totally and completely consecrated to Jesus Christ and the cause of the the cross of Jesus. This is not some polite church deal. This is the church militant. This is the church on fire for Jesus Do you have a powerful testimony of the love of Jesus Christ for you and for the lost sinners? Do you have testimonies of men and women that you've shared the gospel with and they've reached out and grabbed a hold of that gospel and today they are magnificent in Jesus? He says in verse 30, For my yoke is useful and my burden is light. This walk with Jesus is not hard. The walk with Jesus is the easiest thing I've ever done in my life. But I had to give up my life to do it. I had to consecrate myself entirely, completely to Jesus and allow him to sanctify me and make me whole. Have you done that? How are you with Jesus today? Do you understand that you are called to be a servant of Jesus Christ? You are called to be yoked together with him. You are called to plow the gospel field with him like he is doing for you. I'm shocked that not one person is called today. I once made an appeal. All of you who are willing... to dedicate your life entirely and completely to revival, would you come forward and say that publicly? Only two people came forward and said it. Do you understand? If your heart is not 100% dedicated to revival, I dare say, you are not yoked together with Jesus Christ yet. So how is it with you today, sinner? 
How is it with you today, sinner? Mr. Producer, are you there? I guess he's not there yet. He may be talking with someone. I haven't even touched the issue of money yet. I'm going to have to come on the air again tomorrow on Halloween. I'm going to have to come back on the line tomorrow and talk about we're $1,535 short of having the radio covered. I thank you, my blessed brother Thomas, for the gift you sent this morning. We haven't even talked about money. We're going to talk about that soon. So we have a caller who'd like to share a scripture. Let's do it very briefly. Welcome. What would you like to share? Hi, Pastor Ray. This Welcome, is Zach. Welcome, Zach. And, we don't have uh, we don't have much time left, so share it quickly. The First Corinthians chapter three, talking to us regarding our works and gold, silver, precious gems, wood, hay, and stubble. And everything's going to be burned up, and those things that remain, gold, silver, precious gems, will be like the crowns that we throw to the feet of Jesus. By his righteousness, we were able even to accomplish those things. My, my point is that we're going to be saved, but how do we want that to look in our relationship with God through Jesus Christ? That, that, that was only my comment. Okay. Thank you, Zach. Thank you. I think that many people believe what Zach just said, and I believe that his interpretation of this scripture is wrong. I don't have time now to go into the full description of that passage, but to imagine that I can walk without obedience to Jesus and say, well, everything that I've done is going to be burned up, but I'm going to be saved is to totally miss the point of being yoked with Jesus. We're not going to be saved if the work of our life has not been yoked with Jesus Christ. We're not going to be saved if we have not been sanctified wholly in Jesus Christ. Now that passage in 1 Corinthians is a difficult passage and many interpret it differently. But I encourage you, if you have questions about that passage, to read it in context and read it carefully and ask who is being spoken of. The apostles are bringing converts. Some of those converts are going to be hay and stubble because they will not make a full commitment to Jesus Christ. But because those who come as converts are lost does not mean that the apostle Paul is going to be lost. Or if you, as you teach the gospel, and as you talk with people, some of them reject the gospel, or some say yes, and then don't function as true disciples of Jesus, and are not saved in the end, they will be burned up, but you will be saved. I'm not talking about that kind of work. I'm talking about being yoked up with Jesus Christ so that your primary concern is the same concern that Jesus Christ has. We must examine very carefully this idea that somehow in the midst of our sin we can still be saved. It is totally anti-Scripture. It is a, a, a teaching of demons. We must be holy, or we will not see the Lord. We must come fully to the Lord. Mr. Producer, producer, are you there? How much time do we have? (coughs) 
How long is that song that we opened with? Good, let's play it again. Oh, sinners, you better get ready. Oh, you better get ready. Hallelujah, sinners, you better get ready. Times are coming when the sinner must die. Just how the people live, they're just gonna die. Time, time's coming when the sinner must die. Just how the sinner lives, they're just gonna die. The time, time's coming when the sinner must die. Oh, sinners, you better get ready. Oh, you better get ready, hallelujah, sinners, you better get ready. Times are coming when a sinner must die. Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I'd like to hear from you. We need many of you to go to the webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and click on the donate button. We are $1,535 short of having the amount needed to pay for radio for this month. I pray there's a great outpouring of resources. Or you can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. My brother, my sister, I love you. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.